one here this morning and especially welcome our visitors and we uh, understand that across the nation we'll <clears throat> celebrate today uh, what we've um, determined to be the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and we don't know for sure if this was the actual day but we know he arose and that's the main thing and we uh, <clears throat> believe that except for that particular uh, event in time, Apostle Paul tells us that we would have no hope. First Peter, in the way of introductory, in First Peter chapter one, verse three says, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead." <clears throat> Peter uses that term by the resurrection of Christ twice in this epistle. 
And so he says we've been begotten again. We've been begotten again or raised to a new position in life. And that in this we have a lively or living hope. And if each of us here this morning, I want to say to you that if you have that living hope within you, that's an indication or the proof that the Spirit of the Lord uh, has blessed you to have begotten you or born you again. And because without the rebirth, there is no hope. There is no living or lively hope within us unless the Spirit of the Lord has come upon us and born us again. I was just reading this and noticing that it says we are begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, in contemplating that, I've, I've thought about that and, and uh, wondering why he used the terminology that he did there. We find that in Romans, Apostle Paul, in Romans, the end of chapter 3, I believe it is, or chapter 4, uh, he uh, uses some language like this. And in this chapter, he's talking about the righteousness of Abraham and how that that same faith that Abraham had or righteousness he had be imputed to us also which believe and he ends that uh, chapter by saying being fully persuaded that what God had promised he was also able to perform and then you know uh, have you ever doubted (laughs) I have doubts along the way you know but you don't have to doubt what God has promised Abraham was fully persuaded that what God had promised he would perform. And I hope you have that that in you this morning, that you believe that. And he said, therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness, the fact that he believed God. And now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also. That's all of us here today. To whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. You know, Paul, he, he, he comes back to that very point of the resurrection of Christ. How many times in the New Testament scriptures do we find the doctrine of the resurrection of the dead? It, I mean, that's the very basis, the very uh, uh, foundation of our hope in Christ. Uh, our hope of a life hereafter is... That And Paul said, if Christ be not raised from the dead, then our faith is in vain. That's right. And so he says, it's imputed to us if we believe on him that raised up our Lord, uh, up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. You know how uh, our faith, our belief, our hope of life after death or our eternal life in heaven. If we didn't believe that Jesus raised from the dead, where would our hope be? We wouldn't have a basis for our hope. But we believe that because Christ came and shed his blood and died on the cross and raised from the dead, it it we see our justification before God in Christ. You know, all of if we stand just in the sight of God, it'll not be for what we've done. It'll be for what Christ has done. And I believe that this morning as we come together, and I tell you, 
if you're uh, in the faith and preaching the truth, we'll celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ every time we meet. <laughs> it's not just once a year that we ought to have that in mind. But every time we meet, we need to remember and celebrate and be thankful, believing that Christ came into this world, died, was buried, and rose again, I trust for me. And I trust each one of us here has that belief in, in your heart that it was for you personally and individually. And I'll tell you, when Christ died on the cross, he knew who he died for. <clears throat> he has all knowledge. And he knew who would live with him in heaven from the very beginning. He knew that the end from the beginning. I'll try to lead us in a word of prayer. May the Lord bless you, Brother David, to preach the gospel to us tonight. You'll bow with me. Heavenly Father, as we come this morning, this little group, that we trust thy people that have come, Lord, this morning for the purpose to worship and to recognize that our hope, if it's truly a living, lively hope, it is based not upon us, but upon Christ and on the finished work that he came and fulfilled. And he bled and died on Calvary's cross and was laid in a tomb and miraculously came out of that tomb and lives right now in heaven itself, seated at the right hand of God, making intercession for us. Lord, we're thankful that we have that understanding and belief. Gives us great comfort. We trust, Lord, that this morning as we gather, that you'll bless Brother David to preach the words that would give us hope and that we would be comforted by them we might see Jesus raised a little higher than we've ever seen before. Mm, we yes, might be able to look into the very portals of glory and to recognize that except for the finished work of Christ, we would be forever doomed. Mm. We ask the Lord to bless those that have a mind to be here this morning but are hindered for some reason and many sick and all different reasons that your people are not gathered in as we should be, but Lord, we thank you that you're a merciful God and just ask you to continue to look down on us with mercy and grace and forgive us our sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Again, it's good to be with you. I appreciate the thoughts that have been introduced with this morning. It is what I have on my mind today. Um, it being Easter, I would like to share some thoughts with you on the resurrection this morning. As, as he, uh, Brother Eddie introduced, he introduced with some thoughts that the Apostle Paul uh, brought out for us. And, and he said uh, specifically that apart from that, apart from the having a hope in the resurrection, <laughs> our faith was in vain. Uh, that came from the book of 1 Corinthians in the 15th chapter, and I'm going to try to take my text from there this morning. Um, if the Lord would be my helper, I feel extra weak today. I don't know why, um, but I ask for your prayers this morning that the Lord would just help me to stand. Um, just some thoughts uh, before I get into the text there. Um, one of my uh, one of the passages that I always think about when I, I we have uh, when we meet on Easter, of course, Easter is um, 
Easter is not a Christian holiday. We celebrate the resurrection of Christ um, on Easter, um, but it's just because the resurrection of our Lord did coincide with that particular holiday. Now, the Jews celebrated uh, a holiday called the Passover, and and that's, um, of course, we understand what the Passover is and what it was about, or if you don't, you can go back to the, the book of Exodus and read about that, I believe about the 20th chapter. Uh, you can read about the, the Passover, uh, what it is the Passover is all about. And, and while the children of Israel were there in um, <clears throat> bondage in Egypt, the Lord in, uh, had warned them that, that he was going to pass over and he was going to take uh, the firstborn, everyone's first, the firstborn of the land, all the firstborns in the land, and that they were instructed to take a lamb, a spotless lamb, and slay that lamb and, and put the blood of the lamb on the, the post of the door and upon the lentils and, and, uh, that as he came through, if he saw the blood, he would pass over. Well, of course, that was a, uh, a foreshadowing, a picture of what it is that our Lord Jesus Christ as our high priest, what it is that he would actually do for us. He would come uh, into the world, John uh, the uh, the Baptist, as he is uh, standing with a couple of his disciples. He looks out, he sees he sees the Lord Jesus, and he says, "He said, behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world, the sin, singular, the sin of the world." Um, he was our sacrificial lamb. He he was our Passover. Uh, he did accomplish that as our uh, high priest. He he came and he brought a sacrifice of his own. Uh, it wasn't a spotless lamb. It was his own his own body, his own blood. Uh, he offered that uh, upon the cross for his people, on behalf of his people. And notice I said for or on behalf of. I did not say to. If you'll uh, look at the job of the high priest, you will never find a high priest who went in and made a sacrifice upon the altar and came out of the the most holy place, the Holy of Holies, and said, "Uh, People of of God, I have made a sacrifice on your behalf. Will you accept it? That's not how that worked. If you understand how the high priest operated and what the high priest did, you understand that when the high priest went in and he made a sacrifice, that he only made it to one individual and one individual only, and he was only concerned with whether or not that one individual would accept his offering. And that individual was God. The writer of the book of Hebrews said that Jesus offered himself without blemish, I think, something along those lines, to God. And how do we know it was accepted? Hmm. I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, I want to share one scripture with you quickly uh, from the book of Acts, the 12th chapter. Now, this is the only reference in the Bible uh, of Easter. Now, some commentators believe this is a, um, how do they put it? Unfortunate translation. That's how they put it. Some some commentators believe this is an unfortunate translation. I'll just read the text to you. This is uh, Acts chapter 12, starting at verse 1. 
Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church, and he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword, and because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. Now that means this was during Passover. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison, delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers. I think that's just a, a, it's a bunch of soldiers. <clears throat> to keep him intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without, prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And it's one of my favorite stories in all of Scripture because it's a, just a great demonstration of the faith of God's people. <laughs> because they were there and they saw Peter, uh, the, the next sort of in, in line they thought of, of the chief of the apostles. There he was in prison and, and they were going to pray without ceasing night and day for this man's release and freedom. And then when he's released, they don't even believe it. That's God's people for you. We just, we're faithless. Often we are just faithless. Our God, however, is faithful. The, the, this uh, passage, what I want to bring out of it is the fact that this was Herod's holiday. It wasn't a, um, uh, what did I say earlier? Unfortunate translation. This was Herod's holiday. Herod was celebrating the pagan holiday of Easter and uh, he didn't want to be interrupted with killing another Christian. So he put that off until the following um, Monday so that he could celebrate his holiday. Us, though, for us, we will go with what the Apostle Paul said, uh, chapter 24 of this book, Acts chapter 24. The Apostle Paul, he is, uh, at this point in his ministry, he's been uh, uh, taken by the Jews. He's been put in, in jail, and he's waiting there, and he's um, he stands up for himself as his own um, attorney, Acts chapter 24, verse 14, beginning, he says, But this I confess unto thee, that after the way which they call heresy, and brothers and sisters, I stand proudly with the heretic Paul, unto thee after the way that they call heresy, so worship I the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets. Now that was all the things foretold by God about uh, about his Savior, about the Passover, about what the Passover would accomplish, and about the ultimate end of that, and that is the resurrection. <clears throat> He says, this I confess unto thee, that after the way which they call heresy, so worship I the God of my fathers, believing all the things which were written in the law and in the prophets, and have hope toward God, which they themselves also allow, that there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. I, I, I my hope, the foundation, the foundation that I have the thing that I stand on is the hope of the resurrection. I, you know, I, I look, I, I, I'm not, uh, I'm, I look forward to being in heaven. I'm, I'm in no hurry to get there. 
Uh, I enjoy life. I enjoy living. I love my wife and my family and my friends. And but you know, some days you just you think about how hard life is and the struggles we have. And I, I'm looking forward to heaven. Job, um, I bookmarked a few of my favorite passages and I hope to get to them. Job, supposedly one of the oldest books, historically speaking. Um, Of course, we understand the book of Genesis begins at creation and nothing predates that. Uh, But as far as when they were actually pinned down, most writers believe that Job is the oldest book as far as being written, actually written down. Uh, the, the information in the book of Genesis definitely predates Job, but it wasn't written down until later, they say, by Moses. I, I can accept that. But even even at this point in time, even before there was ever any... Uh, understanding about the concept of uh, Jesus, the resurrection of Christ, and the hope that his people would have in him, Job says this. Job chapter 19, verse 23, beginning, he says, Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were penned in a book, that they were graven with an iron pen and Uh, lead in the rock forever. For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that He shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, and Job was clearly had an understanding about what what would happen to his physical body after it was put in the ground. Because, you know, from dust thou art taken, to dust thou shalt return. But Job had an understanding of the, you know, what that was about. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh in my flesh, Job said, not somebody else's. <laughs> Yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another. Even though these eyes are going to be corrupted and destroyed, Job had a hope of a resurrection, a hope of being made new again. Um, The prophet Daniel speaks about this a little bit, Daniel chapter 12. Uh, he, the book of Daniel is a very unusual book, strange. It's got a lot of strange things written in it, but again, not near as old as, as the book of Job, but predates the New Testament by a good number of years. Daniel writes this in Daniel chapter 12. Uh, verse 1, I'll start there. And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince, which standeth for the children of thy people, 
and there shall be a time of trouble such as such as never was since uh, there was a nation, uh, even to the same time, and at that time thy people shall be delivered, uh, every one that shall be found written in the book, and many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting condemnation. <clears throat> I read a news article this week that uh, the Pope has decided that there is no hell. He obviously never read the book of Daniel. Again, in the book of Acts, um, Again, on the day of Pentecost, well, this is on the day of Pentecost, well, Peter standing up preached a sermon about the miraculous events that took place or that were taking place that day. <clears throat> and he tells us why, why they were taking place or who we can have a hope in of basically why. He says, um, this is Acts chapter 2. <clears throat> you start at verse 22. Acts chapter 2, verse 22. You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders, and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and the foreknowledge of God. Uh, in other words, Jesus Christ <clears throat> demonstrated in front of you, clearly demonstrated in front of you, by miracles and wonders and signs. In other words, they saw him. They knew that it, they knew what, what, what he was able, they knew what he could do. And him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, and this is the, this is the idea that God uh, placed him right there at the right time uh, for the purpose of him being the sacrifice, him being that Passover lamb for them. And, and why would he deliver him then? Well, it's because that was their appointed time. And why did he deliver them to them? Well, because God knew those people were wicked. God knew those people were a lot like us. <laughs> Him being delivered by the determined counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holding of it. Wasn't possible. Not possible. And he speaks about David. He says, For David speaking concerning him, or speaketh concerning him, talking about Christ, he says, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope. 
Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, talking about the grave, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Uh, Job talked about that about himself, how that he knew he would see corruption. But the idea was that regardless of that, God is able to put all that back together and make it brand new again in a fashion that suits him. In a fashion that will not ever be, uh, won't ever have to be replaced again. Through the resurrection. Just because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, nor wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption, uh, thou hast made known unto me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, in his, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. He's still there, he said. P- Peter's still, uh, Peter. Peter's saying David is still in the grave. He says, therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God has sworn an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on the throne. And and that's the point. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ. And that's, that's the hope that we have today. The fact that he rose from the grave. Uh, we also have that hope. That's and that that is the heart. That is the heart of the gospel. Brother Eddie introduced with those thoughts this morning the the death, uh, the burial, and then the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the point of the gospel. And I'm going to take my text this morning from the 15th chapter of the book of First Corinthians and try to share some thoughts with you from there. Um, I don't know how much of this we'll get through, but but we'll uh, we'll just begin at the first verse because there's it's all good. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. This is the gospel. I'm going to preach the gospel to you this morning. Uh, The Apostle Paul here, as he's speaking to the the folks there at the the church at Corinth, uh, he was declaring unto them the gospel. He says, This is the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand. Brothers and sisters, if you don't stand on the gospel, you are on sinking sand. The gospel is the only firm footing that we have as Christians. The gospel, the actual gospel message, is the only thing we can uh, put our hope in. It's the only thing we can stand on. Apart from the gospel, there just is no hope for God's people. Now, now, hope is one of those things that is uh, that can come and go. Okay, hope is one of those things that can come and go, and it's mostly up here. If you lose it up here. Well, you just, you're going to be in a sad state. But now what it doesn't do is change the actual gospel. Okay? Uh, the Apostle Paul, again, over in the Romans chapter 3 and verse 3, he says, For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith or the faithfulness of God without effect? Now, God forbid, that's what he said. He says, regardless of whether or not you believe it, won't change it. God is faithful regardless of what you think. Again, like I said about us, we're a, we're often faithless. We we don't we we can't be faithful all the time. Uh, we we're not very faithful, but God is faithful. God and and Jesus Christ is our high priest. When he came, he came and he offered himself without spot and blemish to God. He was faithful. Well, Paul says in the book of Romans, the first chapter there, he says, and he was declared to be the Son of God. And he says that was all because of the resurrection of the dead. 
Because he rose from the grave, they just showed him to be the Son of God. As I was speaking earlier, I talked about that. Uh, that's how we know that his offering was accepted. That's how we know that God accepted his offering is because he came right back out of the most holy of holies. That is the true one, the real one, the one in heaven. He came out alive. Paul's going to get to that here in just a minute. He says, um, this is where you stand. And by which also you are saved. You know, you're saved by the gospel. Now, there's two ways you're saved by the gospel. One way is that you were saved eternally by the gospel event. By what it is that took place there, you were saved eternally by that. You were saved by that gospel. Uh, Paul says in the book of uh, Colossians, Colossians chapter 2, <clears throat> let's see where's a good place for that. Mm. Let me start at verse 10. And you are complete in him, which is the head of all principalities and powers in whom also uh, you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, that is, that is something done to you. He says, uh, "You were in whom you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in the putting off of the body of sin of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith, listen to the words, listen to the words, through the faith of the operation of God. <laughs> Because of his faithfulness, because of the faith of the operation of God, you were raised. Not because of your faithfulness to him. Not even because of your belief in what it was that happened. His faithfulness, his faithfulness to go to the grave and God's faithfulness to say, yes, I accept that spotless sacrifice. And because I accept that spotless sacrifice, your sins are remitted. Your sins are forgiven. That was the gospel event. That was the event of the gospel. And I want you to know that eternal salvation came by that. But now, I don't think that's what Paul's talking about here. Paul's not talking about an eternal salvation because this particular salvation is conditional. How do I know it's conditional? Well, the next word's if. Now, that's a conditional word. That's a word that means if. <laughs> if you do it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. So the kind of salvation under, consider, under consideration here is, a, is a, a temporary or a temporal salvation. It's the kind of salvation uh, Paul talked about over there in that eighth chapter of the book of Romans when he said we're saved by hope. This is the kind of thing that will deliver you. This is the kind of thing that will uh, encourage you. This is the kind of thing that will keep you when nothing else will. He says, by which also you are saved if you keep in memory what I have preached unto you unless you have believed in vain. What has he preached? What is it that he has preached unto us that will deliver us in our worst circumstances if we'll just keep it in mind? It's the gospel. It is the gospel. The gospel is the thing that will deliver God's people regardless of their circumstances, no matter where they are, no matter how much the world is crashing down in upon them. The gospel, if you'll just remember, if you'll just keep it in mind, the gospel will deliver you. What's the gospel? 
I've, I've stressed this many, many times before, but these are two of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. Um, they are a thumbnail picture of the gospel. They are just the briefest summary that you can make and cover the entire gospel. Paul says, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. First, first and foremost, Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That's the picture of our God as uh, uh, Jesus Christ, our God, as, as He was uh, there performing His uh, work of atonement. He w- went to the cross to, to pay the penalty for our sins. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, For uh, He hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. He, he took upon Himself the sins of God's people. He bore the punishment for the sins of, of God's people. Isaiah chapter 53. Surely He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem Him, stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. We, we looked at Him and we thought, yeah, you deserve that. That's why you're getting punished like that. You deserve to be punished. I mean, that's just our nature when we look at, when we look at the picture of God, when we, that's the, that's human in us. When we see God uh, stricken and smitten, we think, yeah, you must have deserved that. But you know what? He didn't. He didn't deserve a single shred of punishment that was given him. Why? Because he was the Passover. He was the spotless Lamb of God. Not deserving of any punishment. Uh, Isaiah, surely uh, he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But, (laughs) the great conjunctions of the Bible, but so, so much is found in that. But he was wounded for our transgressions. Not his own. He he was wounded not for his own transgressions. He was wounded for us. For our transgressions. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Not his own. Jesus Christ was bruised for us. Again, that's the event of the gospel. That is the event that took place, a historical event that happened. And you know, just like watching any newscast in the world, if it's an actual real newscast, I know there's a lot of fake news out there today, whatever that might be. But this, if if it's a newscast, if it's about an event, you can look at that event, you can watch that event, and you can believe that event or not. And whether you believe it or not, it won't change it if it's already happened. If it's already happened, it won't change. You can't change it. Why not? Because it's already happened. Jesus Christ, when He went to the cross, when He... For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. It's been spoken of. All throughout history, Paul says, it was spoken of. And, and, and here, here it happened. Here this thing occurred. Paul talks about how the fact that 
It's, in the, it's also in the book of Romans in the third chapter. He, he begins, he talks there a little bit about the, the fact that, you know, what if some didn't believe? Does, does that change? Does that change anything? Well, of course not. It doesn't change anything. Whether they believe it or not, it won't make any difference to, to the actual facts. Uh, facts. Facts aren't supported by belief. Facts have never been supported by belief. Do you know that? Facts stand on their own. They just stand on their own because they're a fact. He talks about all the people who, whether they believe or not. What then? Are we better than they? Paul says, he asks the question, sort of a rhetorical question. He doesn't expect an answer because he's going to give you the answer. What, are we better than they? No, no and no wise. For, for we have before proved both Jew and Gentile that they are all under sin. Every one of them. They're all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understands. There is none that seeketh after God. So on and so forth. He says, and therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. That's all we get. Uh, when we look out and we see the law, the law doesn't uh, uh, allow us to become righteous. The law just points out the fact that we are lawbreakers. We needed a redeemer. That, that's the point that Paul was making here. He says, but now the righteousness of God, and this is the manifestation of that, that thing that Paul's talking about here. This is the manifestation of that, that sacrifice, that one sacrifice that would actually ultimately come and be given, uh, be offered to God. Not, notice again, it's a sacrifice by a high priest. That's what Jesus is here. He's acting as our high priest, and, and, and the only way you can get that in the right place is understanding what it is a high priest did, and, and what do they do? The high priest comes and he makes a sacrifice to God, to no one else. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. It's being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Again, the law and the prophets, talking about all the rest of Scripture, has been speaking about this from the very beginning. This is the, this is the subject. This is the, this is the culmination. This is what all of Scripture has been pointing to. This event. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of. Again, notice the words. It is not faith in. Righteousness of God, while it may be revealed naturally, visibly to some other through your faithfulness to Jesus Christ. And there have been faithful Christians all throughout history who have demonstrated their uh, faithfulness of Christ. Just read uh, uh, the book of Hebrews. What is that? The 11th chapter? Just read the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews and, and, and you can read about the faithfulness of God's people. And that is that is a demonstration of how good God is. It is a demonstration that they believed what God has done for them. Brothers and sisters, it didn't accomplish their justification. It didn't accomplish their forgiveness. What did? Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. There is no, there is not any difference in all of the people that believe in God. They share something in common. Every single believer in God shares one thing in common. 
What is that one thing all of God's people share in common? 23. For they all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every single one of them, not a single child of God ever, ever lived up to God's standards. None ever has. They have all fallen short of the glory of God. And so they all were equally in need, all equally in need of a sacrifice. There's a scripture out that I, I think it's in Second Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, and that he died for all that they... Well, let me see. Uh, 14. I missed it more. Second Corinthians 5.14 For the love of Christ constrains us because thus we judge that if one died for all, then all were dead. In other words, if he did die for all of his people, he did so because they all needed the same thing. They all had the same sickness. They all had the same disease. And he's the only one with the remedy. He's the only one with the cure. No, the cure. There is no other name. Under heaven, given among men, whereby we must be saved. There is only one remedy for the sickness that we have. Forgiveness. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So then, being justified freely, absolutely free. Justification came at no cost to you. Oh, but it cost somebody. It cost our Savior. It cost our Savior. Peter, again in that book that Brother Eddie was reading from this morning, uh, Peter says this. Let me just turn there because I, I don't want to mess it up. As much as you know, as much as you know, for as much as you know, that's the right word. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, such as silver and gold, from your vain conversations received by tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Manifest. You know what that means? And that's back to that phrase over here. Manifest. Made known. Revealed. Paul tells Timothy. He says, Timothy, be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel, according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. How? How is it, how is it revealed? who hath abolished death, that is, by his work on the cross, hath abolished death, and he's brought life and immortality to light 
through the gospel. Brothers and sisters, if you'll keep the gospel in mind, even on your darkest day, you can think, wow, the world is crashing down on me. The world hates me. Remember, it hated him first. But you know what? They gathered around. They had swords and staves. They took him. They nailed him to the cross. They killed him. They were victorious. Right? For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. They were successful in killing the Lord of glory. So they thought. All throughout the new, the Gospels, in the New Testament, the Gospel accounts, you always see the Jews wanting a sign. Give me a sign. Give us a sign. I'm guilty of that a lot. I, I like signs. I like having a sign that I'm on the right track, doing the right thing. <clears throat> Jesus said it is a we, uh, an evil or wicked and adulterous, I think is what he, how he put it, a wicked and adulterous generation that seeketh for a sign. <laughs> and he said, and no sign will be given unto you except the sign of Jonah. What was the sign of Jonah? We all remember the story of Jonah who was in the whale's belly for three days and three nights, I suppose. That actually happened. But, But it wasn't there just so we could say what a great guy Jonah was. That story is in the Bible as a precursor, as an example, as a, a, a type or a shadow of, of something that would come. They thought there as they were, saw the soldier thrust the spear into his side. They thought, yeah, he's dead. It's over. They thought. They thought they had won. They had thought, they thought, they thought they were victorious. There's an allegory, uh, the, uh, oh, what's, what's his name? The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? C.S. Lewis, yeah, thanks. That allegory of, of, of that, good, good, good allegory. The, the, the enemies, <laughs> the enemies of the king thought they had defeated him. But you see, he knew something they didn't. That this was already arranged ahead of time. <clears throat> and like Peter, as he said, the grave could not hold him. I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried. And He was in the ground for three days and three nights. And the third day, He rose again 
the third day, according to the scriptures. That he goes on and he tells us about all of those that saw him. This is eyewitnesses of a risen Savior. Eyewitnesses of, 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 of a risen Savior. Not just hearsay, and that's why he puts it. That's why he puts it like that. And there's so much in this. But I'm, I'm all out of time. <clears throat> Paul says, um, Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach and so you believe. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection? And the point that Paul gets through all the rest of this is that the resurrection of Christ is our foundation, the cornerstone, the thing we can stand on, the thing that will give us hope regardless of what else is going on in the world. And he closes, and let me just close with some of the things that some of the thoughts that he closes with in this particular chapter. He says, verse um, 51, Behold, <clears throat> and he talks about several different things. He talks about the fact that, uh, you know, how how we are, uh, hopeless if there's no resurrection, how that we're still in our sins if there's no resurrection. Uh, do you know if there was no resurrection, it meant, it meant that God didn't accept that sacrifice. So you're still in your sins. And if you're still in your sins, then you're, you're, you're hopeless. You, you're without any hope. He says, but Christ is risen. He talks about the wonderful things that, that come out of that resurrection, the resurrection of Christ. Uh, the example and how, how he talks about how, why would I uh, suffer the things that I suffer if there was no resurrection? Why would I go through all this if there was no resurrection? Um, he, there's a passage in here about uh, um, verse 29. What, what uh, else, what shall they do which are baptized for the dead if, if the dead rise not? Now, there, uh, I mentioned a few weeks ago that I had a couple guys come and visit me at the house and I spent some time talking to them, but they have a practice about uh, the 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 baptism for the dead. <laughs> it's a silly practice based on a silly misunderstanding of Scripture. But the point Paul was making is why would you even get baptized uh, if there was no resurrection? Because that's exactly what baptism is. It's a picture of resurrection. Buried with Christ <laughs> where you are raised to walk in the newness of life. A beautiful picture of what life is like after the resurrection. Of course, it's just a picture here. We're not really resurrected when we're brought out of the water. The water really doesn't do anything for us except get us wet. <laughs> but it is a picture of that glorious resurrection which we'll have one day. And let me just conclude with that. Verse 51, he says, Behold, I show you a mystery. <clears throat> I do encourage you to read the rest of this chapter. It's just a great chapter. Uh, lots of things in there. He talks about this new body that we'll have. But he says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Now that's not the mystery. The mystery is not that, that we won't all, is that we're not all going to die. That's not the mystery. <laughs> the mystery is that while even though we're not all going to die, not a single one of us in this particular state are fit for heaven. Not a single one of us. You know, even Adam, even Adam, when he was created, he was the perfect man. I guess. But even Adam, prior to sin, wasn't 
fit for heaven. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. And it's because of the resurrection of Christ. Because he rose. Uh, Paul says over there in the, I think it's uh, Romans uh, 8 and 30. He says, uh, <clears throat> 29 maybe. He says that, uh, that, we, that he was the firstborn among many brethren. Many brethren. And we're all going to be conformed to his image. To the likeness of Christ. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all, all be changed. Who's the all there? All those Christ died for. All those who faithful, our faithful high priest paid the price for. All of them. Every single one of them. Not a single one will be left. He's, he says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, he says, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead and shall be raised incorruptible. The dead shall be raised incorruptible. You notice, the, and, and Job will be among that group. Job will be one of those and he'll be waiting there to see his Redeemer with his own eyes, in his own flesh. He'll see his Redeemer. He says, raised, incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So, when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass. This is going to be the fulfillment of all, uh, of everything we've ever wanted. Everything we've ever hoped for. This will be the culmination. This will be the fulfillment of it. He says, oh, then it'll be brought to pass the same. As it is written, death is swallowed up in victory. What does that mean? It means that last enemy. That last enemy, death, is defeated out of the way. There'll be no more death, no more crying, no more sorrow, no more suffering. You know, we talk about that at, at funerals often, but that's the truth. That's Paul says that we ought to encourage each other with these things. There is a resurrection of the dead. And this is how it ends. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? He says the sting of death is sin and the, the strength of sin is the law. But thanks, again there's the great conjunction, but, but thanks be to God who has given us the victory. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. May. And if you'll just keep that in your memory. That's what Paul says here. If you'll just keep that in your memory. Regardless of what comes. Regardless of what happens. You can think on that and think. Yeah. I reckon. The sufferings of this present time are not worthy. To be revealed. Not worthy to be compared. With the glory which shall be revealed in us. May the Lord help us remember that's my prayer.